holiday season is coming up and uh, I, I'm floating, I'm, I'm floating the idea of just ghosting my family and go and going to Golden Corral for Dolo and just kind of pigging out there. Uh, I, I don't know, you know, how that's going to go over or maybe just invite the whole family to, to just come and just do a uh, Golden Corral because I don't want to deal with any cleaning, cooking, traveling, any of that stuff. Selfish me. It's the Living Sober Podcast. I'm Phil P. These drinking occasions, uh, being weary, being being like spiritually fit, you guys said, uh, being able to go out and, and be around people that drink and, and the family dynamics and all the triggers that come along with that at the holiday parties or or the kickbacks or, or even just walking into a grocery store. Uh, it can be tough. So we're going to talk about uh, drinking occasions today, you guys living sober. You guys did tell me uh, and taught me, should I say, to thine own self be true. When I when I first sobered up, I'm fresh out of rehab. I couldn't even walk into a a, a grocery store without just smelling the corrugated boxes of the Budweiser in the back. I I was like drooling at the mouth. You know, you kind of walk into it to where they sell beer and wine, and they got like the 12 foot display of Budweiser or your favorite drink, and it's just like come. Oh. And I said to myself, I ain't going to be able to make it. I ain't going to be able to do this. Uh, my uh, drinking, that, that was my favorite food. I'll, Cerveza Americana, just to be specific. American beer, uh, my favorite food, favorite pastime, my best friend. And I, I had admitted and conceded to myself that I had lost my drinking privileges. Uh, that's what I had learned in rehab. So I was encouraged to get on a strong spiritual condition, meaning it made sure that I was 10 toes down in my recovery before I start risking it going to the dart, uh, dart shooting tournament at Applebee's or whatever, or going to my, my friend Leroy's uh, kickback on a, on a Saturday afternoon when, where I know they're going to be smoking that medical grade marijuana. They're going to have all types of alcohol there and and it's a recipe for disaster if I'm not on on strong uh, spiritual footing. And you guys also said, do you have a reason to be there? Why are you going to shoot pool with your boys at the bar and you barely got 60 days sober? You're like asking for trouble. And I remember to thine own self be true. If I have a really good reason to be there, I can't ghost. I could not ghost uh, a, a best friend's wedding and or a funeral. But I could not necessarily go to a family dinner or a birthday party or something like that because I just wasn't ready. So my first year in, in sobriety, I did not go to any anything, really. I don't think I even went to in Christmas. I was on. At my clubhouse, Thanksgiving at my clubhouse, chairing meetings, making coffee, eating junk food, and the same with New Year's. And and even when I eventually did go over to like my family's house, 
they would like hide the alcohol, lock the liquor cabinet. And I was like saying to myself, was I even that type of alcoholic? Uh, and I wasn't. I think they were maybe just showing some some respect. They didn't really want me relapsing or, or felt weird, awkward about, you know, drinking around me. And hey, drink all you want. I have I admit I cannot drink. I'm not really tempted uh, to drink in that way. Uh you can drink in front of me and I won't want it to like snatch it out your hand and drink it. But if I see like the Miller light truck drive by, I do start to kind of salivate. Or if I walk by a beer cooler, that stuff looks good to me. But, but either way, they're saying that I couldn't hide an AA either. So I could not use my recovery or my program as an excuse not to go to the thing. And I I didn't go to the thing. I put my foot down and said, I ain't going. I ain't risking it. I ain't trying it. But it got tired. It got kind of played after you're, you're, you're stacking chips. You got years in the program and, and you're doing your, your, your deal. I can't really use. We call it like hiding in the rooms. You're putting sobriety first, but you're neglecting all of the other response or all of the other responsibilities. So I had to start slowly, 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 like reacclimating myself to normal society. Uh, even like my coworkers, they know I went to treatment. I, I was very transparent. I had an alcohol problem and I, I went away to get some help. So all of a sudden, like I get back, they stop inviting me to happy hour. And I understand like when I first get out. But like I never got <laughs> invited to happy hour ever, ever again, even with years of sobriety. And I was like, damn, I like half price apps. I know I don't drink, but I, I put this thing together. Y'all just going to leave me out. And I think it's, you know, it, it's endearing. You know, it's kind of heartfelt that, that they just didn't want me to risk my sobriety. But sobriety always and will always come first. Living sober. Too many times in the past five years, I, I found that I have put myself, I need to look in the mirror. I've put myself in compromising uh, situations and, and I, and I do the same thing over and over expecting different results. We talk about being weary uh, if we have a reason to be at a drinking occasion or not going to drinking occasions because it's just too it could lead to a slip potentially but on the same token i can't not go to a friend's funeral or a, a wedding of a very close associate just a couple of examples of what I, and how can I pick and choose? And if I can, a uh, case in point, my dad, uh, he does this annual uh, fish fry uh, every Memorial Day and his house. He's, he's got the big house. He's got the pool. He's got the, the, the cauldron with the grease and, and the seasoned fish and all burgers and chicken and everything to go with it and brisket. And my mouth is kind of salivating not to go too far off on a tangent. It's the bomb. It's an all day affair. Family from all over comes. And I, I've noticed that. The past five years, when I go, I probably stay eight hours longer than I really need to. And it's pure guilt and it's pure people pleasing. 
I remember this is the most recent one this year when it was about almost nine and we probably got there around one noon or one o'clock early and I'm we're, we're headed out and, and, and everybody's like, you're leaving, you're leaving already. I'm like, man, I've been in eight hours already, eight hours longer than I should have at least. And I could just see the disappointment in my dad's eyes. Like I was just killing the vibe. Not to mention that like at least one person I know for sure had already like threw up in the bushes because he was, you know, he little overdid it. Hey, not taking anybody's inventory. I don't think this guy's one of, uh, you know, alky, alky like me, but that's just not something I want to be around. After three, four, five drinks, things just get a little messy and I, I don't want to be around that. But on the same token, I don't want to isolate or alienate myself. These were my thoughts. So we, we go and, and I, I stay longer than I need to. And then I got the resentment now, you know, that I win. I should have stayed home. I should have stuck up for myself, you know, me overthinker and just kind of beating myself up. I'm sure my family was happy to see me. But on the, again, I don't have to stay the entire time. I can excuse myself and really nobody will be, nobody will really care. You know, I, I put too much pressure on myself when it, when it comes to these things. Another good example is uh, my sister's birthday. We had the big blowout in Orlando last year, five days. We got the big house. We got the Verbo. About 20 of us stayed in this big, giant, big, giant uh, house vacation home and it was a party i mean literally infinite alcohol because they were just constantly reing up beer runs and everybody was bringing alcohol and and nobody got crazy but i being around it non-stop by the end of there i was thirsty by the end of that trip i was saying like let's make another beer run who wants a beer pouring drinks the whole nine yards I was doing my meetings. I was calling my sponsor. I was doing all of that stuff. And it was then that I realized I first I barely made it out of out of Orlando, Florida with my sobriety intact. I was very thirsty towards those last couple of days. And I, and I shared about it that I'm not my, my, my spiritual fitness, my sp- spiritual conditioning was not as strong as I had thought. And I had put it to the test. You know, being away from from my foundation and, and being around family and not being in what I like to describe as my AA bubble with all my sober friends and no threats. And I cannot even think or dream about alcohol when I go to hang out and go to weddings and, and, and kickbacks with my sober friends. But when I with my family, who's not a bunch of alkies like me, they got their shit together. I am the one that. um you know, need, need to take care of myself. So, you know, shout out to them, but it's just a reminder, uh, slippery slope, you know, a lot of slippery rocks living sober. So to thine own self be true and uh, taking care of myself. I, I consider myself a, a, a 
member in good standing. Let's just say that a sober member in good standing is how I would describe myself. And, uh, and somebody who is in fit spiritual condition most days, I don't think about drinking. I don't go to drinking, you know, I don't hang out in bars and stuff like that. Uh, but I can and did get thirsty on that trip. You told me to thine own self be true. This was a theme that came up every time. I was not screwing around my first year, so I had, was not trying to make excuses to go to anything where they might be drinking. My original home group was the Applebee's around the corner from my house that had a dollar drafts or the PBR. And I, I would be there like every night after work when I when I sobered up. I wasn't going there for half price apps. Right. And. Slippery, slippery, slippery. Uh, making sure that sobriety was my number one priority and taking it serious because they were saying things like cunning, baffling, powerful. So I just went to meetings upon meetings upon meetings upon meetings uh, of Alcoholics Anonymous and uh, stayed sober and did my service and did all of that. And it came to a point where, you know, the elders said, Phil, go home. You're hiding in Alcoholics Anonymous. You, you, you're, you're doing good. You're in a program. I don't think you're going to drink tonight. You know, go, go home. And I had never heard of that. You know, hiding in AA. Yes, recovery first priority, and all my my sober friends. But I do have a family that loves me. I am fortunate enough to be one of these people that came into AA. You know, came into my recovery with the love and respect of my, of my family. And not a lot of people can say that. And I was putting myself first very selfishly, but how long could I do that? And, and the funny thing is when, when I came around now, they, they weren't locking liquor cabinets and, and hiding their drinks. I had had the conversation that you guys are good. This is my program. I'm not going to slip, but just be be regular guys, be normal. And and today I can do that. But where I find my problem is I don't know how to say no. I get invited to these late night affairs and not just my family. I get invited to stuff, brunches where you know they got the uh, Bloody Mary and, and samosas and all that, mimosas. And I'm like, sure, we'll come. Or my wife invites me somewhere. She's a normal earthling. She can she can have one. Keep the, the wine in the fridge for a week or whatever. Now, or months. And I, I can't even have just one. So I, I don't want to be saying no all the time. So that was a balance. So that's that's my perspective. That's one side. But then the other side is kind of making excuses about why I need to be at things I really don't have to and 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 not understanding how important putting sobriety first is. So like those those bar trips and those Christmas parties and those kickbacks and those old friends, uh, that is when the other side of the coin kind of comes in. And when I say the other side of the coin or the other side of the token, it's that to thine own self be true deal. Uh, letting go of the, those old friends. I can't ghost my ghost my family, but I can cut off those old friends, old places, old things that were like triggers. And if I had done anything up until this point in my program, I know that that was not going to, you know, that that wasn't going to work. I had to let it go. 
But, you know, so many times I've had people that I work with, you know, they they had to be, they love shooting darts. They love playing pool. So they would go back uh, to these places and eventually, eventually, you know, go out and, and drink again. Uh, they say if you're going to, if you absolutely have to, you got to take a phone with you. You got to take your own car. You got to have something to drink. You, you You don't have to. Worry about people asking you why you're not drinking. Nobody cares. For me, my experience is I wear my my recovery out. So I just say, you know, I'm an alky, not really in public events, but my whole family knows. And as far as the public events, I keep a sparkling water. I keep a cup. You know, I still do the conviviality thing. I just do not drink no matter what. Living sober.